Hello and welcome to this Q&A episode of the Up Close, not the Up Close and Personal Trainer podcast, the ESG Fitness podcast. Andy, welcome. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How about yourself? I am very well, thank you. Um, how's your week been? Yeah, not too bad. Obviously been able to train a few more clients this week, which has been quite good. Obviously, so for those who don't know, Andy's got like a studio gym set up. Yeah, so still working outside with clients um, at the moment, but yeah. Oh, are you working outside? I thought you could get them in the gym. No, not nah, yet. Can't, can't, still can't do anything indoors at the moment, um, which obviously everybody's losing their shit about over social media, the fact that gyms are... I know. Maybe we should discuss that. But I just think like, obviously no one else knows this, but like Andy's gym's so good because you could just open up all of that. Like there's like a huge, what do you call that? Like a garage door. Yeah, that you you can just completely open up. So you're basically outside. Yeah, well, that's that is potentially one of the one of the loopholes that we will use um, for that because we can take the kit outside and use it outside the studio. So uh, yeah, that's something that we're looking at, just making sure that insurance and stuff's all in place. Mm. Um, Smart move. Um, yeah, we're getting quite a lot of inquiries on PET at the moment as well. So um, it's just getting that. But yeah, it's, I think it's. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't see them opening gyms anytime soon. I think everybody, you know what it's like, everybody that wanted the pubs open wanted them open quicker. Everybody that wanted the gyms open wanted them open quicker. Someone's going to have to be disappointed. And I can understand. Well, so, I don't know. I, I think the only reason people are annoyed is because the pubs are open. Like, people can completely accept, we're not ready to open gyms, fine. But you can't say we're not ready to open gyms, but we are ready to open pubs. It's all to do. It's all to do with money. It's taxation. You can tax. You tax alcohol. You can't tax gym. You can't tax gym members. Unfortunately. Um, Well, I mean, you do tax. I mean, not to the same extent, but uh, the economy is massive for fitness. Oh, it's it is, but I think it's it's also one of these ones as well that as as harsh as this is, like governments don't the the advisors that they use very rarely have anything to do with the industry that they're that they're being advised on. So they don't actually speak to people who are in the fitness industry about health and fitness. They don't, they, they don't regard us as experts, which we generally are. Um, so, you know, if they went and spoke to somebody, like if somebody come and spoke to me and said, well, I actually tweeted this morning about the fact that personal training studios and gyms must, should be distinguished differently. Because yeah, there are much That's why I kind of thought you might be open. Yeah, well, as I say, I'm going to check up with check up with my insurance and stuff over the next uh, this week, um, and see what happens. But it's um, you know it's it is what it is. You just have to deal with it. So um, yeah, there's no point wasting like time and energy and like seeing how angry some people have got over it. It's like it's not going to change. And yeah, maybe it's not fair. And and kind of discussing it is fine, but like the actual anger and energy put into that, no. Um, I'm obviously in a bit of a different boat due to the fact that I my business that's what my business is. I have a, a studio mm. and it's sitting empty, but I'm still having to pay expenditure, rent, etc., out on it, um, which makes things quite tough. But you know, it's as I say, it is what it is. We just need to get around it. It's you know, things will even themselves out. I do think, though, however, in Scotland, we're going to have to start moving the lockdown quicker because after seeing stuff, what happened at the weekend, like I, I went for a wander with a dog at the weekend and the meadows and Brunsfield links, like literally you couldn't see any grass with people. Oh Nobody's God. taking any social distance and like maximum eight people, cracking me, I think there'd be probably a minimum of eight people per group. Yeah. And um, the Place was was there absolute... like like normal? There's like a haze of weed over the meadows as well. <laughs> you're sitting going, is that a sea har coming in? Is it the mist coming <laughs> no, in? No, no. No, no. Everyone's it's, about it's to like, get a hot box. Yeah, everybody's going to be, aye, everybody's getting hot box. Folk white in walking up the middle of the meadows and stuff. But um, yeah, I think we have to make things move a bit quicker. Otherwise, folk are just going to lose interest and just go and do what they want anyway. Um, yeah, I, I think the other thing is, like we won't be going back to a normal gym it's not going to be half as fun as it was initially at least like it is going to be quite regimented and you are probably going to have to be like going like I've always enjoyed going to the gym like we'll meet up for sessions and it's a hell of a lot of fun but it like we won't be able to do that there's going to be nothing like 
you know messing around in the gym a bit like hanging out there for a while and then coming out like it's going to be go in do your thing get out yeah i think there'll be i think from what I, from what I gather, I think there'll be a fair few gyms will do a, a, an appointment system where you book in, say, from five to six. You're there at five, you leave at five to six, so the guys mm-hmm. have enough time to clean out the, the kit and stuff. Um, you'll have other ones like Pure Gym. I was speaking to one of the lads from Pure Gym here in Edinburgh the other day, and he was saying that they've taken away half of the benches in the weights area, and everything has been taped up with a two-meter distance round. So you can take dumbbells over to your bench, but you're not allowed. You phys- you're not allowed to move the bench. But again, places like Pure are going to have to have guys in 24-7 for that because you get to like 10 o'clock at night, no staff, folk will just move what they want anyway. So, Oh, well, I think a- they'll only be open restricted hours. I don't think they'll be 24 yeah. hours to start with. No, I, th- I think what they'll need to do is they'll need to do, sort of, like as you say, restricted hours and have somebody in to clean, like mm. clean the place down, whether it be come in and do the sort of sanitizing, like the big, the big sort of steam spray stuff, whatever it is, and just do it in one go. But it's going to be quite an interesting landscape coming up over the next few while. I am looking on the positive side. I think that a PT studio will be back and working better than a gym. So mm-hmm. I'm expecting to see a bit of a bumping, bumping business. Um, I think because so many people over the time that they'll say this has happened have started to find fitness. So people who've generally never done anything before have now started to realise, one, you need to be fitter and, fitter and stronger. So they started, went and got some kettlebells or whatever, dumbbells at home, and they'll probably start needing a bit of instruction. So whether that be an online coach, whether it be a PT, I think personal trainers and sort of the coaching side of stuff will probably get a bit busier. Gyms will struggle due to the fact that sort of things like sleeping members and stuff will have cancelled all their direct debits, um, which if people don't know what normally happens is a gym will usually have about 50% sleeping members which is like a passive income where those 50% of people don't actually turn up. Basically just, half the people that are members at Pure Gym can't remember that they're members. Yeah, and when they do, what generally happens is they go, oh, I'm paying 14 in a month, I'll go next month. And then they forget about it for six months and that same process happens because the gym's still open and they could potentially go to it. But because the gym's been shut, they've went, well, the gym's shut, I might as well cancel it. So it means mm-hmm. that they can't use it. Yeah, I guess to get around that a little bit, like people, like any most big gyms. In fact, I think all big gyms have have like frozen direct debits. But I think you're right. People who have, I remember speaking to a manager once, and she was like, "Oh yeah, we had to send a message out to all of our members because there was a problem with the showers. Like there would be no showers." And she was like, "It, we don't like doing that because it wakes up sleeping members who are like, huh, I forgot I was a member at Pure Gym. I better cancel that because I've never been." Eggs, and that's and that's it. It's you know it's it's it does. It's one of those ones that seems a bit iffy, but you know that's generally how gyms have worked. I when I first started in the fitness industry, I worked in a hotel gym. There were 130 members, of which 80 were sleeping members. There was 50 members of this hotel gym. 80 oh of them were God. sleeping, and they were paying like 45, 50 quid a month. Like that's not. Like, yeah, I remember you, someone coming back into David Lloyd's to sign up. And like the, the process, all their details and stuff. And they're like, oh, you're like you, you're still a member from two years ago at a David Lloyd's. I was like, if well, you've got that cool. kind of money, then do you know what? It doesn't really matter. Yeah, you've does got it? that money, you're not noticing it, leaving your bank account yeah. monthly, something going on. Um, I think you're right though about maybe more people getting into the gym after this. Cause I think a lot of people, like you say, have found fitness but home workouts and the home environment is such a good way to sort of build your confidence. And then you're like, okay, actually, you know, I'm actually getting quite fit. Now I feel confident to go to the gym, whereas before you might not have. So I know a couple of my clients that have started, especially with commit to six, are kind of like building their confidence. And when the gym's open, they might go to it. But I did speak to uh, one of the committed members who lives in Ireland and she was saying that the gyms are about to open there. But she was like, I'm not sure if I want to go back initially. And I was saying, yeah, like, it probably is a good idea to wait a week or so, see what it's like. You'll see on social media what it's like. You'll see your mates will go and they'll tell you what it's like. And then you can decide if you want to go then or if you want to wait a little bit until restrictions ease. So, yeah, I don't I like don't feel pressure as well as soon as the gym opens to be like, oh, I really should go back. If you're not ready to go back or you don't feel comfortable going back, that is absolutely fine by us. And we will make sure that you are like you have the options in terms of programming of going to the gym or of being at home. 
So yeah, totally. Well, that's I put up something on my Instagram yesterday about um, people doing due diligence when they take on personal trainers or online coaches. Uh, one of my mates sent me over something that his wife's friend has just taken on. Um, I'll tell you who it is off off air. We don't want to do any of that stuff. <laughs> um, but she's been sent a program, cookie cutter pro cookie, cookie cutter program during the height of lockdown where you can't get access to a gym, and it's all gym kit like T bar rows, cable rows, um, everything, leg extension, leg curl, like, and it's just. It's and what did she not say back? Like, oh. I don't have a gym. Well, I don't have a full fucking gym. Yeah, because she's got no knowledge, she, she's just been Googling stuff going, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. So, yeah, it kind of leaves you in that a That makes a... me really sad, but it does, like, it also makes me think, like, please do reach out. Like, and, yeah. and give someone almost, like, I completely agree they've, they've absolutely bolstered it. That I don't really understand how that could have possibly happened. But if it does, or if, like, because you know what? Like, sort of, like, clerical errors can can like happen right so maybe she'd written something about gym and he thought she had a gym i don't know i went to the gym once maybe he thought that means she had a gym i don't know whatever whatever kind of leaps that the person has made i don't know why i'm assuming it's a male is it a male it is yeah okay how surprising um yeah well so it as long as i don't know i would just make sure that you've almost given them like you've already given them the benefit of doubt obviously of signing up with them but then also just be like i don't have a gym see how they react yeah. if you don't get a reply then that's just like the worst thing ever well that's it i think it's um but as you say you know the, the, the whole point is is that people are starting to get more confident about sort of training you know if you're in the lucky position where you have enough cash to be able to buy a, to build a home gym fantastic but you know i think that i think the fitness industry will see quite a bump in i think it'll see quite a big bump of people who have never generally been before um because they've kind of found i actually really enjoy this Do you know what i've actually quite enjoyed training at home i maybe need to take it to the next step um you know so it's going to be quite interesting to see where it, so it all lies i have to say andy your hair's looking great I'm, I've got the old, I've got the whole sweet back at the moment. Yeah, it's the only problem like is, I'm, yeah, I'm having to wear Alice bands, um, oh. uh, the training stuff, but they, they are Under Armour Alice bands. I'll give uh, them that. So, you know, Under, I get, you play football, so I get to wear it. Yeah. Under Armour, listen, I'm quite happy to take as much sponsorship deals as you want. So fire them up. Hey, I'm sure they are. So you know, like <laughs> that'll be happening, right? I mean, we've been speaking for about a long time. Should we maybe get on to the questions? Let's go. Okay. <clears throat> I've been listening to the, loads of your podcasts and I love them. Why, thank you. But I think I am still confused as to what happens when we start building muscle. I think what I understand is that if we start building muscle and are therefore on higher calories, it is inevitable that we put on some fat. Is that correct? And is there a way I can put on muscle without putting on fat? Um, what would that be if there is such a way or am I getting it all wrong? Um, and that's not at all what you said before. Laughing face. Thank you. Great question. Okay. So I would say, so in terms of you've kind of got it right. Yeah. If you're, if your like goal is to build muscle, you probably want to be on slightly higher calorie or definitely higher calories than your dieting calories. Now, if you are very lean, it is extremely unlikely you will be able to build any muscle unless you are in a calorie surplus. And, and it doesn't have to be a huge calorie surplus, but if you think about what state your body's in, if you're in a deficit, your body is in a catabolic state. So that's a breakdown state. Um, if you are, are at maintenance, your body's basically like the balance is there. So it might break down a little bit. It might build up a little bit you've kind of got this balance and you're staying at maintenance. If you're in a surplus and you're eating more calories, that means you're in a catabolic state, so a building state. And that's where you want to be to build muscle. Now, if you do have quite a lot of fat to lose, then you probably can build some muscle in a, well, in a deficit, but definitely at maintenance level. The, the only real time that you will build a significant amount of muscle in a deficit is when you're very new to resistance training. So if that is you and you're maybe, maybe you're someone we just spoke about. So you're coming out of just starting 
I don't know, maybe you've got some dumbbells at home and you're getting a bit more confident using them and then you're going to move into the gym and you're not excessively lean already, then yeah, you probably can build muscle in a bit of a deficit while you still lose the excess body fat you have. If that's not you, and bearing in mind, so this is the point that's quite important to make, that will be a transient state. So you will only be new to exercise or new to resistance training for so long. And then that stimulus probably won't be enough to build muscle in a calorie deficit. So for a period of time, and I would say potentially up to like six months, so like not a short period of time. Um, what, do you have anything to add on that? Because that's probably how I've described it before. And that's yep. probably why she didn't understand it. So I just want it like from a different point of view, what would you add? Yeah, no, I think you're, you're, you're right. It's, you know, you've got, you can, you can build muscle on a deficit, but it's all to do with the, obviously the starting point. If you're ridiculous, if you're lean or uh, if you're lean, you're going to have a much harder time doing that because your body's already tr trying hard to, it's already covering the calories that you're doing to repair, recover. Um, and just to get things done. Um, I think it's it's one of those ones, everybody asks that about sort of when you're trying to put on a bit of muscle, you know, what's, you know, how much of a surplus do you, should you have, etc. It's quite difficult. It's again, it's a very individual thing. What I would generally do is I would kind of keep an eye on things like looking in the mirror. If you feel that you're starting to get softer, maybe you've maybe overshot your surf, you've overshot your calories slightly, maybe to rein them back in a little bit. That's why things like progress pictures and stuff are always quite good, especially if you're working with a coach. It's like an outside eye rather than even if you take a progress picture, you'd be very unlikely to see the differences yourself. Uh, you know, and that even comes to people like us. Like, you know, we if we were to put our own progress picture side by side, unless there's a drastic difference, we'll not see the small things because we are very crit critical analysis of yourself is always going to be much harsher well you always look at like if you're like oh, i always saw fat around my stomach you're always like oh my stomach looks the same and then you're like yeah but we'd be like yeah but look at your glutes they're popping Bop. Yeah, exactly and it's 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 a very it's, it's a very tough one it's unfortunately fitness industry is very much every question is generally answered it depends yeah and it's like you know it's as frustrating as that is as as somebody who has, is trying to make their way or learn in the fitness industry you have to realize that that's that's going to be the case for everything because there's so many ways to skin a cat there's so many different ways to you know create a surplus there's so many ways to get yourself to lose body fat by creating a deficit it's it just depends on the person um but putting on a bit of muscle putting on a bit of muscle i would as a sort of rough guesstimate i would generally start to move people's calories with about five to ten percent up on me on where we think their maintenance is mm -hmm. um, and then manipulate as and when it starts to if we start to see things getting a bit softer and when i mean softer you start to see that there's maybe a little bit excess body fat starting to pop up in the places that you generally see them first because we all know where, where it ends up going on us and um, you maybe start to rein things back in a bit or you maybe start to find some other way of putting on like maybe getting their steps up a little bit more just to tighten things up yeah so the other situation where this might happen and fingers crossed that happens for me is when you've not been training for quite a long time. So I am, and this is, this was quite depressing. I looked at a photo of myself from when I used to row. So bear in mind that was like seven years ago now or something. And I was shredded like a lot of, but actually no, not shredded a lot of muscle mass for a girl. Yeah. And I weigh the same now as I did then. And I have like, <laughs> like no muscle basically but so that that's a case of like I've and and a lot of that has been lost like in the last well actually I lifted quite heavy weights and I haven't been doing that for quite a long time but because of my back I've not been exercising as much um and anything I have done has just been like quite like I would say on a scale of one to ten I've only ever gone to eight like stayed within my like comfort zone a little bit for yeah. various other reasons, which I won't bore everyone with now. Um, but that does stand me in good stead when I'm better, when the gym opens and when I can lift heavier weights that I should put on muscle quite quickly because I've put on muscle before. So there's like a muscle memory effect. So that will be very exciting for me, but also that might mean, so you might have seen, I don't know, other fitness professionals or something like with the transformation photo being like, oh, you know, here's me like a little bit overweight, a little bit soft you know, I had to take time off because I was injured. 
and then only i don't know 10 weeks later 12 weeks later they look amazing and shredded and in, in, in like almost the shape they were in before their injury and that's that's what i am at the because i've been back training in the studio so i've got a full full pretty much what i need to train with um like my physique's already starting to change two weeks after having been more regular and that's a lot to do with like the last 12 weeks you know you really enjoy home workouts i can't stand them so my intensity i do not enjoy home workouts it's a lie i tell myself every day <laughs> i honestly it's, you know, it's, it's like that- anyone who's like keto like i like eating like this no you don't like that's a lie you're lying stop subverting reality to try and do stuff but that's um, lie to yourself enough it it becomes true um although like using that in a positive way i I listened to something this week and it really resonated with me and it was about it was about i guess like investing in yourself and and how important that is and how important it is to like your future stuff so it's basically you could think of an investment in yourself and it could be anything like obviously our example would be personal training or online coaching, but it could be, I don't know. I want to, I'm going to invest in myself in terms of buying a course so I can go to uni or like, it could be anything. It could be Andy putting money into his website because he wants to build a, like a, a business or he wants to start another gym or whatever it is. Like you're investing in your future self, which means that you're telling yourself in like a, sub kind of way that you can achieve what you think you're going to achieve yeah which like build your own i guess self-confidence or maybe that's more self-efficacy which would be like the belief that you can do what you're set you're setting yourself out to do so i found that really interesting um and the other thing that they said on that podcast was and the podcast was modern wisdom with benjamin hardy was like the interview of this and he was saying so i know a lot of people don't tell other people their goals do you um or i you don't selective I, people right yeah I don't broadcast it but i'll like for instance i'll speak to you i'll speak to shona i'll speak to my other half laura um i keep things quite close-knit Mm. It's something I've always done. Like I've I've never had like a huge network of friends. I've got quite a small close net that I can tell them everything. Um, so I usually tell certain people certain things, especially as well. You know, you know what it's like. You know, if if, we, if I decide, you know, decide I want to compete or something like that, I'd speak to yourself. I'd speak to obviously Laura because it's going to affect her at home, um, and I'd speak to Shona. Um, but so other mates, I would have other chats with about different things. So um, yeah, yeah, and and I think I'm the same. And I think most people are that you'd only tell certain people, but. This was interesting because it was kind of saying there are huge benefits to telling a lot of people because it holds yourself accountable. And I think this does only work for certain goals. Like, I don't know if it's always a good thing to tell everyone everything, but it was like an interesting way of, again, sort of almost putting pressure on yourself to do something or, or putting like social, what's the word? I don't know if pressure is like the right word because that seemed like that sort of deemed negative. But if you're telling someone you're going to do something or you're telling everyone you're going to do something like, right, I'm going to get fit or I'm about, I'm going to run a marathon. And then people are like, how's the training going? And you're like, okay, not done anything. Or why are you still, you know, like, why have you not lost any weight? Because you said like a month ago that that was your new thing. So I think sometimes that holds you accountable. But I do think it has to be a certain kind of person that, like because some people just tell you you know you'll see some people on your facebook like i'm doing this and then i'm doing that you just like they never actually do it but i do think if you are going to follow through but you need that social accountability and that's one of the good things about group coaching as well and actually what i've told a couple of people in the group to do is to be like to post in the group what they're going to do this week so yeah you know i had a couple of weeks off i'm getting back on track this week these are the things i'm going to do yeah and it holds you accountable and also the group's so amazing that other people will check in with you they'll be like hey you know you said you were starting running this week how's it going yeah and so that's like that was an interesting point yeah definitely okay um next question or second question actually uh okay maybe you've covered this on the podcast before i'm trying to keep up with the podcast i know there are very many so well done for keeping up 
So when the gym opens very soon, hopefully, and we can use weights again, normally on the training program, it's lift as heavy as you can in the given rep range. I did a muscle building program, which I chose. So I'm not complaining that this, by the way, this muscle building program was pre me. Not that that really matters, but I didn't like the results and I'd like to keep the muscle, but not gain muscle as such. Okay. Basically, sorry. The whole of this question is essentially she now wants to train to maintain muscle as opposed to build muscle. Right. What differences in training? Because my opinion on this would be essentially nothing. You don't change your training. What you do need to do is change your calories. So if you're fueling yourself to build muscle, then you will probably build muscle. If you're not fueling yourself to build muscle, but the same stimulus is needed to like basically tell your body, yep, these muscles are being used, don't get rid of them, then you will still need to lift heavy. Yeah, I think it's um, we, the, the, quite, an, or quite a good um, uh, analogy of this is if you look at, um, like for instance, like powerlifters or, or strength athletes who have to compete in a weight class, they're still lifting maximal weights, but staying within a, a, a certain weight, a certain weight category. And the, the manipulation on that is calories. It's, it's about what you're putting in to fuel it. If you are trying to put on size, you're going to have to create that surplus. You know, you can still lift heavy and maintain weight. In fact, a lot of these guys, as they start to cut weight, or guys and girls start to cut weight, their performance starts to pick up as well because they fuel their body much smarter. It's, I think a lot of it as well is like, you know, if you start cutting, there's a certain time where you start to feel that you're your performance starts to increase so you're always told when you start to cut body fat you're going to start you're going to lose strength and in actual fact whenever i've cut for competitions and like that i've actually found my 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 lifting starts to get better and i've actually set most of my pbs when i've been cutting because i'm learning how to fuel my body better for sessions to keep myself from or to keep myself energy high and you become more in tune with what you need to do. Um, but yeah, totally. The training doesn't change with this kind of stuff. Like, you know, you can turn around and someone's trying to sell you, Oh, I've got the best weight lift, the weight. Um, I've got the best program for building muscle, but I've also got the best program for building or cutting body fat. They're the same program. You just manipulate the calories around it. Yeah. And, and this, this is, uh, so in this question at the end, um, it was sort of saying, is it lighter reps and uh, lighter weights and higher reps instead of, and like, no, but someone might have told you that before because it kind of makes sense. You're like, oh yeah, when you build muscle, you lift heavy. And then when you just need to maintain, do loads of reps. No. Tracy Anderson. Do you remember her? Was she some guru per celebrity personal trainer? Anyone that calls themselves a guru. Exactly. Women should not lift any more than three kilogram dumbbells. Shut the fuck up. Oh, God. <laughs> Good Lord. Okay. Next question. So, this is a very interesting question. It's from Hannah. Oh, no, wait. Let me just finish this question. Uh, so, this is part two of the same question. I have a goal weight in mind, which is what I got to at my leanest. Is that a pipe dream now that now with added muscle? Will that naturally be higher? Um, I was in surplus and lifting heavy for over a year or should I just forget the goal weight and just keep going in a deficit until I like what I see in the mirror and how I feel? Skip the goal weight. Yeah. Numbers are numbers. Basically exactly what you said. If you know, when you get to the point where like ask anybody that, ask anybody that um, maybe does like a, a fitness model who does photo shoots, they don't really give a shit what weight they are on the day of their photo shoot. They yeah, it doesn't look, say in the corner. <laughs> nah, it's like they're not going, oh, no, I'm only 86 kilos, but I'm absolutely peeled. But I'm yeah. so glad I'm 86 kilos. No, I'm absolutely peeled. I'm looking great. Let's get this photo shoot done. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and what I was talking about before is the perfect example. Like, I'm the same weight now as when I used to row and, and trained a lot harder than I do and was able to lift heavy weights. My physique looks completely different. And also, what you've said here is... Oh, is that a pipe dream? 
that is like the complete wrong way of looking at it. Like, no, the dream is now that you have more muscle. So when you're leaner, like you'll be heavier. The fact that you're heavier means that your basal metabolic rate will be higher. That means you can eat more calories to maintain that physique. That means you'll look better because you'll have more curves, like, you know, like the shape of the muscles. That is the pipe dream, not the arbitrary scale weight that you've set yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Okay. This is the one from Hannah. Okay, this isn't a question for me personally, but I'm very curious about metabolic adaptation. I've learned the theory, 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 but I have gaps um, that gaps that experience may fill. It may be a bit long for the podcast, question mark. No, nothing is too long for the podcast. Part one. I know that chronic dieting can cause some adaptation and that two people who weigh the same and are the same height slash age may have different basal metabolic rates because one of them has dieted very low for a long period of time. But how do you know if there is any adaptation? Do you presume this from the offset or do you just monitor and adapt as you go with clients? Um, I would, you would, it would be very difficult to work if there's been any adaptation, to find out if there's any adaptation, if not near impossible. Um, so, the, the whole thing with with working with a coach is, is that it's about just in manipulating and changing and making things, seeing how things work. That's why we do sort of like, I'll generally do sort of weigh in on a Wednesday morning and then we look at the weight, depending on what we need to do, we'll up it, down it and, and maybe keep it the same. You know, it's very much, um, very much a, um, a, a sort of week by week thing and just making sure that you're sticking in contact with the person that you're coaching and um, making sure that you're working out what the, the variables that are around about it are and then just and keeping keeping things simple don't don't try to don't try to make it too difficult for for yourself or for your client more than anything else yeah i think like this is such a good point and it's another reason why calorie calculators like you should you know they are a brilliant place to find a starting point for you but they're not something that should be used as like, oh, these this are my exact calories that I need and why am I not losing weight on them? Like, they need to be adapted and, well, they need to be monitored and then they need to be adapted when when they should be adapted, not before that. So you're not like, oh, I've been on this diet three days. Why have I not lost weight? Oh, I must need to lower my calories. No. Talk about potentially three weeks consistently, yeah. then come back to me. Um what else did I want to say about this? So yeah, one thing that I do that I do do is I ask for like a bit of a diet history. And that's mainly just to see if they're like, oh yeah, I've done every single diet under the sun. You're like, okay, like they, maybe there is some adaptation there. So that's one thing to look at. But I don't think, and I, I can't remember the stats now because I did look them up previously for a post on this. But I, I can't. I don't think the adaptation was like ridiculous. You know, if even if you started someone on fifteen hundred calories and you're like, okay, well, actually, even though actually this should, judging by the total daily energy expenditure I've calculated, put them in a deficit, they're not. But they have dieted a lot before. Okay, maybe they are going to have to come down a little bit. That's hmm. kind of how you would play it. Um, and I think being more open-minded as a coach to go lower if required, because some clients do need that, would be the yeah. only sort of thing that I would need to think about for that particular situation. Now, I did make a mistake the other week of putting up on my story, I think someone had asked, like, how do you calculate your calories or something like that? And she'd got hers, like, I think she was using her BMR as a total daily energy expenditure. And I was just like, ah! So I said, shoot me a message and I will set your calories for you. And and then I got like many, many messages. But and I don't know if I should say this, but I would say seventy percent of those people I put on fifteen hundred calories and hundred grams of protein. Because that's yeah. not where the magic is. Like where your starting point doesn't hugely matter. Like that is generally a good starting point for fat loss for women yeah. who aren't outliers either side. Hundred grams of protein is a pretty good target think of that as a minimum your calories as a maximum you average them over the week do that consistently for two to three weeks not lost any weight cool we need to lower those 
finding it too hard to stick to but you've lost quite a lot of weight cool we could lose weight on higher than those calories the other thing is if you're you know if you're looking to lose fat which means that you have fat to lose you're not going to starve on 1500 calories unless you're an outlier that's doing like 30,000 steps a day yeah that's it so that is probably a good starting point for most people i actually refunded someone from the easy method this week because well one she was exceptionally rude and i just can't take that like i i don't want i don't want to coach rude people basically and i don't need to so why would i uh but she she was like i could stick to you know whatever her calories i think it was like 1600 calories and 108 grams of protein myself and i was like okay then bye like that's not like if you're going to a personal trainer to get your calories or you're going to an online coach like essentially just to get your calories that is not coaching if you want coaching which is the monitoring the adapting the support the accountability you know and the motivation when you change up your training programs etc etc like that's what you're paying for you're not paying for someone to set your calories because if that's what you want then i've already told you like if you're not an outlier start on 1500 calories and see how it goes if you're a man maybe slightly different what would you set for like generic man probably somewhere between two and two two thousand two hundred and probably about 150 grams of protein 150 to 160 as a start and then obviously we're assuming that you're hitting 10,000 ish steps on average yeah exactly yeah and that's it it's just it's 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 very as you say it's very simple um as a start just a very simple starting point that as you say the magic happens when you then start to manipulate things and you need to make the changes etc um that's where that's that's where a good coach comes in is when they can start to do that side of stuff okay so part two to this question how long would you have to raise calories for to counteract and reverse the adaptation Okay, so this is a little bit of a myth. Um, This kind of is like reverse dieting, right? Where people are like, oh, cool, you've dieted. Now I'm going to reverse diet you and increase your metabolism. Yeah, no shit, they've put on weight. So their basal metabolic rate is more cool. And ideally, a bit more of that comes from muscle. But, you know, muscle isn't as metabolically... um, calorie consuming as we would like to think unfortunately so you're not mm. going to be like a, you know if you manage to put on two kilograms of muscle it's not like you're going to have to raise your calories very much unfortunately yeah. um okay and then part three is is it very hard to become metabolically adapted e.g many people think that they are eating twelve thousand. uh 1200 calories or lower however we know that due to lack of adherence conscious or subconscious that means that people are unlikely to be eating this uh this low consistently over a period of time so they would likely still be uh, still like so they would oh so so would they still likely sorry i actually can't read So would they still be likely to experience adaptation, taking into account binge episodes, etc., or does it only occur in the highly adherent diets? Dieters, do you get that question? That last bit is that I think it's along the lines of do the metabolic adapt- adaptations occur when folk are underreporting or they sort of not are not sticking at that twelve hundred? Um, yeah. And I would say that obviously the metabolic adaptations probably wouldn't happen because if somebody's cheating on cheating on the diet or I don't like using the word cheating yeah. on the diet. I mean, if they're they're having a binge once a week or they're you know they're, they're probably not going to, the, those metabolic adaptations probably won't come in because you're getting that point where the calories are you're you're not sitting at that twelve hundred evenly over the course of the week anyway. So yeah, and then you won't be losing the weight, and then yeah. you won't be losing the body fat which yeah, won't so. be affecting your leptin levels, which won't be like affecting your energy output and your energy input. So these metabol- metabolic adaptations of like people are like, mm, what, what exactly are you talking about? The prime one that happens when you diet is that you lose weight. 
which means that your basal metabolic rate or your resting metabolic rate, essentially the calories you need just to like survive and cell regeneration and your organs and all this stuff, um, that will go down because you become a smaller person. So that's yeah. the first point. That's probably the biggest thing. And then the other things that happen, there is some slight metabolic adaptation, which Hannah has alluded to, like in the first part, which is, which happens. So even like once you've dieted down to say 60 kilograms, your resting metabolic rate is actually a bit lower than we would expect given your weight and your body composition. But that's quite small. And then on top of that, you have the fact that when you have lower body fat levels, you tend to move less, you tend to be hungrier, and then your drive to eat is higher and your drive to move is less, which means that it's more likely you're in a calorie surplus or, or your body's trying to push you that way a little bit. So that's kind of what we're talking about here. Um, and that, I guess that wouldn't occur as much if we just still look at calories over over a period of time even if you're eating 1200 calories during the week and then binging on the weekend your calories over the month are probably aren't putting you in a deficit and that's why you're not losing weight yeah okay do you have um do you have to pop off yeah, no no another 10 oh, 15 cool. minutes perfect right because we have more um why does the leaner you get affect your ability to get a quality night's sleep um, I think I'll, ninety four. Most of the time for clients that I work with is because their their timing of their meals isn't great, or they're not filling out their meals enough. So you know, we've spoken we speak regularly about the the joy of vegetables that you can pretty much pack up a meal with vegetables for very little calories. Um, that's actually one thing you'll be very proud of me. That's one thing I've done very well oh. during lockdown is more vegetables like i I'm have become oh what are you free. eating uh, i'm loving salads at the moment oh. so tomatoes peppers um spinach lettuce all that. Uh, no i've not brought myself to that <laughs> uh, not yet we'll work on it I, I don't think i'll get to that point i just find cucumber horrifically bad i do uh, you know what i've been loving so much at the moment is greek salad Oh, I've eaten a whole jar of jalapenos in three days and also almost a whole jar of olives. I'm glad I'm not your roommate. Do you know what? Does it really affect me like that? Oh, I just not? love That's how crazy. spicy they are. But also, I don't know why I'm obsessed with olives. If I didn't, you know, know that it was literally impossible, I would think maybe I was pregnant. Very strange. <laughs> but yeah. Um... Yeah, I think. Okay, back I think to the lot, question: the sleep. Yeah, I think a lot of people end up um, either eating all their calories too early in the day, um, which is why when I diet, I actually end up finding that uh, intermittent fasting works much better for me. So I'll eat my, my the majority or the bulk of my calories later on in the day, so that I'm I'm not hungry when I go to sleep. So there's you know there's a lot of people that do wake up starving or wake up and try to read the fridge because they're you know they're 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 about they're so they're so hungry but that actually wakes them up so yeah i think it's more like it's as you say brilliant advice about the meal timings and calorie like skewing your calories slightly to the end of the day potentially but i do think it's normally the hunger yeah you're a bit hungry so you can't sleep as as well i think i think as well when you get to that point i think there's that sort of link as well that you're not if you're not eating properly, you'll start to stress. So the more stress that you have, the body starts to produce less melatonin, which obviously is the thing, the precursor for you to fall asleep. It's the hormone that helps you start to drift off. Um, and as I say, I've said in previous podcasts, the, the three things that I will, two things I currently take um, anyway are zinc and magnesium. Um, and they both help me sleep really well. Um, but when I get to being when I start cutting, I always have melatonin on hand and I find that that works an absolute dream to help you get off to sleep because it's, 
as soon as your cortisol levels start to raise, your melatonin starts to be suppressed in the body. So it means that you're obviously, you find it harder to get to sleep. If you find it hard to get to sleep, you're going to overthink, you're going to think about food and it's just, it's just a big horrible circle. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Melatonin is quite hard to get though, isn't it? Yes, it is. There is, um, there is a website, it's an American website called pipingrock.com and they do vitamins, minerals, all manner of stuff. Um, generally, they have 50% off sales. It's an American company, but you can get it shipped over and I generally get it shipped over for uh, myself and also for clients. It's something that isn't on the banned list at all. It never will be. You can get it through your GP, but via a prescription but in every other country in the world apart it's from so the strange UK, isn't it my dad I, always gets them in america and like yeah when it's jet lagged and stuff yeah it's it's fantastic stuff um i as i say i i buy a bulk of it and bring it into the studio because i have a few clients it's things like stress with work etc so you heard it here guys if uh, anyone on commit six needs melatonin we're here we're, um, we're here andy's got your supply Okay, next question. So before Commit 6, I was an avid HIT fan, leaving the gym after a quick 15 to 20 minutes having had a quote-unquote hard session. I was hoping this would get me the quote-unquote ideal shape. As I understand, this kind of work will build my stamina and fitness and build muscle, but only to a certain point. Um, That is correct. So this will never give me what I'm looking for. Is this correct? Would That would depend what you're looking for. But this question goes on a little bit. So by doing committed, the committed kind of sessions, uh, this will slowly build muscle. The hands up in the air emoji face. I just feel the need to fully punctuate everything. Um, but will it sustain my stamina slash fitness? What are the benefits of each workout? Do they work together? A trainer once told me, if I wanted to do weight train, I'd have to stop hit. Is this true? <laughs> no, 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 no. Who, do you know what though? Who are these trainers? Who yeah. Is oh, yeah. I think it's, I, I obviously you, you, we're both the same. We pop up these things on our Instagram about people asking questions. And I actually got asked this two days ago about somebody's wanting to build leg strength. Uh, is hit was hit or sprints um, better or were hit? What's better, um, sprints or hit? I was like, they're both the same thing for <laughs> yeah. a start. Number two, neither of them are probably that good for building leg strength. As harsh as it sounds, you'll get some muscular endurance, you'll get your stamina and stuff out your hit, etc. But if you want to create or build muscle and create shape, you're going to have to resistance train. And there is no reason why they can't go together. Um, you know, you could do a, a pretty heavy going leg session um, to build some, um, to start helping build your legs. And then you could put a hit session after it, provided that you're recovering well enough and you can, and it's, you're working at the high enough intensity for it to be classed as hit. Because it's, again, it's one of those ones that everybody's like, oh yeah, I do an hour of, and I do an hour of hit, an hour of hit three times a week. You don't do an hour of hit because hit's not that long. That's, yeah, exactly. That's, well, the one thing I will say about this question is it was 15 to 20 minutes of hit which is probably more likely probably um, perfect yeah so you, you, the thing is you can do both you know and and yes you can yeah like there's no reason you can't do both there's no reason you can't get the benefits of both you're right in terms of like fitness some forms of hit probably better than strength training well definitely better yeah. than strength training for building fitness in that sense uh, but yeah, I would include a bit of both. That's why I like the gym workouts for commit to six or have resistance training. And then there's a bit of a finisher. So it's like kind of circuits, kind of hit, like depends on the day that, that kind of vibe. So you're getting a bit of um, fitness in there at the end as well. Yeah. yeah. It's, as you say, you can work all these things together. The, the, what I would always say is, is that hits, supposed to be done at a very fairly heavy going intensity so it's supposed to be really full out um and as you say sort of 15 to 20 minutes of balls to the wall go for it but 
the reason that this is very, very handy for certainly when you get to things like if you're starting to cut and you're getting into a, a calorie deficit, if you're trying to cut off some body fat, I always find that this is very handy because you're not, A, it's not something that you have to be well recovered to do. You can just get out and go for a walk. It's not going to tax you as much. Um, but again, it's, it just depends on your energy levels. You know, it's, if you can yeah. do a full-on resistance session and then smash out a hit session, perfect, go for it. Um, but you may need to manipulate and tinker that stuff as you get further in. The, obviously, when your body is working on less calories, you might not have the fuel to do a hit session. So it's about being able to play around and see what else you can do. Yeah, or do both. Yeah, diff- on different days at different times, and exactly. yeah, maybe at certain points in your training you don't want to do hit, and at certain points you do, and you want to do more this or you know whatever. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, by the way, this is low intensity, steady state. So things like walking or like lower, you know, when you can sort of still talk as you're doing things. Okay, just out of curiosity. What is the difference in terms of burning calories slash improving fitness, if any, between training in the heat versus room temperature versus cold temperature? Heard of different things, so just wondering. Hope this question makes sense. I'm not very articulate today. Makes perfect sense. And I managed to read it, which is very impressive. Um, what are your thoughts? Um, obviously, your body's going to have to adapt to whatever the... So the outside atmosphere is going to be like so you might find that in a, a, a hot session like a, a temperature session you might find that you sweat more um, in a cold session you might find that you have to work harder to even get warm um, so calorie wise I don't, it's not, again I don't think it will make a huge amount of difference um, it's uh, yeah uh, so me, I, I think it's probably a bad thing because especially if you're not adapted to training in the heat, you're going to fatigue a lot quicker. And uh, also like motivation levels as well. Like I know for a fact, like so many folks, if they go into a cold gym, it like honestly Shona's, Shona's like the Shona and Laura, in fact, are both like, and me. I and hate being cold. cold. Yeah. Like, you know, I remember in fact, when we trained, remember we trained um, me and Shona trained together at, can't remember where it was, but it was absolutely Baltic. And I'm like, I've got my vet, I've got the t-shirt off. I'm like, I'm sweating. And you pair of like three up. jumpers on. Yeah, you're pretty much going to go and find your saddle of pets for skiing and stick them on because it's still so cold. I hate it. I hate being cold. But even before the gym, like if I if it's like a winter's day and I'm like meant to be going to the gym and it's cold, I just no, it's oh. not for me. <laughs> so motivation levels, I do think in certain um modes of exercise i think like more endurance type actually being cold can be good just because it gives you like obviously you're going to produce a lot of heat when you start for example running but because you're because the outside is a bit cooler it might mean that you can stay cooler longer and heat is actually quite an important part of fatiguing the muscle or like um i guess like a rate limiting thing so you don't want to overheat and your body works quite hard for example sweating to stop you overheating And if it's colder and you sweat less um, at at the same given intensity, it's probably actually potentially good. Um, All right, last couple of questions. We'll make these quickies. Easing out of lockdown in the coming weeks equals more family gatherings, eating out, and I enjoy a little bubble at home. Um, Okay, yeah. Essentially, how do you stay on track but still enjoy yourself and not come across as bored as a boring cow. <laughs> um, Pre pre planning stuff, you know yeah. things like um, you know if it's a barbecue, you know if you're doing the barbecue, pre planning the food that you're going to do, um, and sticking to it. So rather than go, oh, there's an extra burger, I'll just take that extra burger. No, you've had your burger, you've had your sausage. That's it. That's it done. Um, a lot of it's just about it's. it's you've had your it's, sausage. <laughs> That's it done. That's it done. Um, a lot of it is just about willpower and just staying power. You know, um, willpower and stubbornness are very closely linked, and without one, you don't have the other. Yes. I think yes, you, I like that because you're essentially, and we've spoken about this before, but make the decision before, decide what you're going to have, and stick to it. So then you're not making the decision there with all this other stuff going on, and 
Yeah. And and also no one has to know that you're dieting. You know, yeah. you just choose not to have the burger, you have a bit of chicken instead, or you know, you only eat half your bun. No one really cares. Like just it's don't make a big deal out of it. Just do it, move on. And know how many drinks you're gonna have and and yeah, like at the end of this question she just says, Is it just a bit of a guessing game? And yeah, you guesstimate. You'll be yeah. absolutely fine. Like fat loss isn't about hitting your calories bang on. It's about being yeah. really good. It's never, it's not about ever being perfect. You never need to be perfect. You need to be good for yeah. most of the time. That's how you will get results. Right, Andy, I know you have a client, so I will let you go. Okay, okay. Good to speak to you. Yes, it was a lovely podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you everyone for listening and we will be back next week. Hello, you thought you had got rid of me, but I actually have still things to say. So I have a couple more questions to go over. Over, la, 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 to go over. And I knew that Andy had a client, so I didn't want to keep him from his client. Okay, so first question. What is your opinion on walking with a weighted vest? I assume it would burn more calories. Would it do anything for leg strength or anything else? So most weighted vests go up to, I think, it's probably once it go heavier, but like 10 kilograms or something. Probably do a little bit for leg strength, but not half as much as strength exercises for your legs, like squats, etc. Lunges, for example. Lunging with the weighted vest, there you go. Instead of walking places, just lunge there with your weighted vest. That will certainly build leg strength and it will certainly burn more calories. Um, Generally, I don't think it's... I Yeah, I mean, if you want to implement it, you can. I don't, I wouldn't sort of suggest it to everyone. I don't think it's totally necessary was definitely not necessary but sometimes I think it's really interesting to do with clients who have lost a lot of weight like say you have lost 10 kilograms to put the weighted vest on and be like you used to walk around with 10 extra kilograms all the time so that's quite interesting and it also helps to sort of explain things like why you're now losing less calories or sorry while you're now using less calories doing say a your 10,000 steps because you now weigh 10 kilograms less and it's much it's like very a very obvious thing to do to be like okay so today crack on with your weighted vest and see how you get on that's how many calories you used to burn doing that so it's good to understand that sort of adaptation question number two is it a myth that your stomach shrinks when you eat less uh uh, uh. people use this terminology but i guess your stomach doesn't actually shrink maybe you get used to eating less Well, you've answered that question because yes, you are completely correct. Your stomach doesn't actually shrink, but what does happen is that your hunger regulates more. So you become more sensitive to leptin or you reduce leptin resistance. Maybe your food choices change, so you eat higher volume food. Like all these sort of little diet hacks that you, I don't really like that term, but that's kind of a good way of looking at it, is that like you're eating more protein, so you feel a bit fuller. You're eating higher volume food, you're adding salads, you're making sure you're not dehydrated, you're fitting in treats where you want them. A lot of people find that they're not actually hungry when they diet because they make those changes. And after a while, leptin resensitizes. And that's important because that what happens when you are very overweight is that leptin levels are continuously high. And the way that leptin works is that it is... Um, release predominantly from your fat tissue so it tells the brain it sends a signal to the brain or the presence of leptin sends a signal to the brain that there is enough energy because if you've got high leptin levels then that's telling the the brain that there's a lot of body fat here you don't need to make this person really hungry or um reduce their activity levels or you know try and suppress their activity levels in an attempt to store calories and save more calories so you might be thinking okay understand that why in that case would an overweight person have higher leptin levels I mean I mean have higher hunger levels despite the higher leptin levels and what happens is leptin resistance so although there is leptin there 
the brain can't sense that. And when the brain can't sense leptin or can't sense very high levels of leptin, um, or, okay, let's just say the brain senses lower levels of leptin. That means that, that the brain doesn't think that there's much body fat. And what's it going to do when there's not much body fat? It's going to drive your hunger so that you want to eat more. And it is going to reduce your energy expenditure so that you want to move less. And that obviously is not great when you're trying to lose weight. And that's sort of what how this snowball effect of becoming a little bit overweight and then a bit more overweight and a bit more overweight because you're still hungry despite the fact that you have energy stores. Um, where was I going with that? Oh yeah. So you as you lose body fat, you resensitize yourself to leptin. So your brain would be like, oh okay. Okay. Well I was rudely cut off there because apparently you can only record five minutes on this. And I didn't actually think I would be going on for longer than five minutes. And I'm not 100% sure where I got to. I think I was talking about leptin. Uh, and I think I was saying that when you resensitize yourself to leptin, the brain can sense it again and it will shut off or it will turn down hunger signals. Oh, okay. Well, I think um, that does actually end the podcast. There will be no further like fake endings. This is the end. Goodbye. I will see you next week.